BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Edu slash podcast. It's short track racing is where all racing started. I mean, it's even the NASCAR world started short track racing back in the day. And we just want to tell a great story to, and to not a story, we want to tell factual guidelines. Hear the unfiltered, honest stories of how grassroots racers have and can achieve their racing goals. Fast Car to NASCAR, hosted by NASCAR driver Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. All right, here we go. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourself in, pull those belts tight, and we'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. Today's guest, a NASCAR crew chief. He's got 21 wins overall to his credit, six in the Cup Series, with drivers Juan Pablo Montoya, Clint Boyer, and currently with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. at JTG Darty Racing in lovely Harrisburg, North Carolina. Say hi to Brian Patty, Mike Wallace. Hey, Brian, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Man, we're good. And he said beautiful Harrisburg because Jeff lives over in the Harrisburg area. But I so. used to. We, sold, we, we <laughs> okay. sold that place, but all my kids grew up there. We lived there for about 25 years. Yeah. Metropolis. Yeah, yeah Metropolis. So we were having fun this weekend, our last few days. I was in Miami, and you're a Miami guy, right? Or a Florida uh, guy, Lakeland guy or something. I'm a Florida guy, not Miami, but Florida. Okay, close enough. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm, what I'm trying to find out from you and the world, let the world know, who is Brian Patty? Not who is Brian Patty, but who was Brian Patty? How did you get involved in motorsports, Brian? Um, well, obviously, it's it sounds like a cliche, but my father raced um, down at East Bay in the Forest State Fairgrounds. Um, he had a little dirt car, a Super Six, obviously inline six uh, engine, and uh, that's how I kind of got into it. But uh, really, my career took this path back in probably junior high when my close friend Sean Rudiman, which is David Rudiman's uh, cousin, uh, said, "Hey, man, why don't you come out here and help me uh, work on these dirt cars a little bit?" And I says, well, after soccer practice or after football practice, I'll come out. And uh, 
that started in junior high and yeah here we are well here you are is a big old gap in between there so <laughs> <laughs> i mean so you got that opportunity or you got asked to be part of an opportunity just to go weekly race i assume right friday saturday sunday night something like that yeah yeah we just dirt raced uh central florida um east bay uh ocala uh ran some pavement obviously with that same car and some big shows in lakeland uh race st augustine you know anywhere around central florida uh all the way up to south georgia like valdosta you got but uh, we i mean we raced shoot 40 50 times a year i mean it was every friday saturday night um and we'd win you know 20, 20 to 25 races a year so it was a uh, it was a lot of fun a lot of work but uh you know obviously the rudman family taught me a lot and taught me how to uh, go first class now now was were, you, were you working on those cars or driving those cars oh no i've never driven oh you never driven I thought you Never. were. I thought, I thought you had a little wheel experience in your career sometime. <laughs> I do at Greenville Pickens, and it didn't. It didn't turn out too well. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I've only. I've only worked on them. Uh, you know, I. I have passion of just seeing my cars go fast, um, making the fastest car possible, and the next, you know, obviously on race day. But, you know, back then it was cool because you know I'm a fabricator by trade, so building the bodies, doing interiors, you know, tricking them out. Uh, the rule book was kind of thin back then, so you could, uh, you know, kind of be extreme. And uh, I thought our cars were always fast, and we won a lot, so it was cool. So at that time, you were tied up with the Rudiman family. Who who was the drivers at that time? Who, who, who the old driver was David Beak Rudiman. Oh, Dale? Okay, it was Beak. I did. I was thinking of somebody else. Okay. Yeah, no, it's uh, you know, David was like five years older than myself. Um, uh, I was in junior high. He was in high school, and you know, we clicked uh, immediately, and obviously, years and years worked together through uh, high school. We won a lot of races in dirt, and um, come, you know, my tenth grade year, probably eleventh grade in high school, I, I kind of saw I was, I kind of liked this racing thing. It was cool. It was fun. It really wasn't a job, and uh, decided to try to make uh, a career in NASCAR. When, in regards to working on the car, fabricating the cars, was that self-taught? Did you just learn under the Rudiman family, or did you have all that experience going into it? No, no experience going in. I just self, self-taught, self watched, uh, watched people do it, um, tried to learn it. Uh, you know, I guess I have a maybe a little artistic side in me and, and imagination, and between those two and learning how to fabricate, it was cool to build the bodies and Obviously, we started on David's car, and then and it worked up to being building, you know, a bunch of dirt late models, uh, pavement late models, dirt modifieds, pavement modifieds, you name it, we fabricated. So, oh wow! So, so help the uh, help everybody's listening because we're hearing about a big race coming up, and you can just ties in. Who is Buzzy Rudiment? Buzzy is David's father. Okay, the legend. The legend. I've heard his name forever, and. Uh, I seen my brother Kenny is posting he's going to the Rudiman Classic or something down Correct. in Florida, and I I was in St. Louis a few weeks ago and ran into David up there. He was up there racing dirt mods. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what what was uh, a couple of the highlights? What was the biggest highlights in that short track career? We we're gonna get to your current day stuff in a little bit, but trying to give everybody the back the scene. What was 
the number one or number two moment that you, Brian Patty can remember as he was working his way through? You know, to be honest, uh, the first race I went actually with Rudiman's, uh, we won down in East space. So, you know, didn't know the ropes, barely knew how to read a, uh, a wrench and go out, you know, ran well in the heat race, won the feature. And Sean's like, all right, well, come on, we got to run to the front and take pictures. I said, what are you talking about? They're like, Oh no, we got to go get pictures. You know, the trophy queen and all the trophies. I'm like, okay. So you kind of run down front stretch at East Bay and, and, uh, take pictures. And I was like, this is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, so kind of, kind of, you know, I got bit there the first, the very first race. And, um, I don't know, you know, it was a lot of, uh, good wins for us. We won track championship in Ocala. Um, obviously the first race I went to, we won with in junior, when I was in junior high, that was probably 88. And, uh, you know, I, so what you're saying fun. in a nice way is you were just spoiled right out of the box. You, you were just a winner winner when you guys I rolled in. I, I wouldn't say a winner, but I was part of a, a great foundation of race teams, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, m- moving forward a little bit from the Rudiman family and racing down in Florida and through the southeast and all that, next progression for Brian Patty. Well, this is where it, get in, it gets interesting. Uh, we got plenty of time, so just <laughs> – Tell oh us yeah, about no, no, no. It. I'm trying to. Um, in '92, I skipped school on a Thursday, went to this big race called the Duels of Daytona. Yeah, um, yeah kind of a big deal, isn't it? Yeah. Kind of a big deal, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, had uh, you know my friends, the Store family down in Florida, Zephyr Hills raced the uh, pavement. Um, we went over and and watched the duels, and I was like, this is this is really cool. I can I can remember sitting. Uh, <clears throat> it was just across from Pit Road Entry. Um, I mean, probably close to the very top, you know, cheapest tickets possible, but man, I just remember it was, uh, it was chaotic. It was great to watch. So leading into, I had to finish my junior year in high school and that summer I went to, uh, Volusia County Speedway, July 4th weekend. That's when the, you know, the bush cars ran there where the cup cars were at the big track. And after the race, went downstairs and went in the pits and met uh, the Nemechek family. Talked to John. Uh, we clicked right away, and he said, hey, man, if you're up there in Mooresville, just hit me up, and we'll we'll go out to dinner, and we'll do whatever. And, uh, well, I happened to go to a school at the Motorsports Training Center for the whole month of August. It was a 20-day 20 20 class to teach you from start to finish how to build a bush car. So between coming up here in August of 92, me and Nemechek, um, I was there for the first two wins when uh, Joe won at, I think, Loud and RP. Um, so it was like festive, you know, everybody was happy. And, and then finally Joe looked at me a couple weeks into it because I would, I would go to school all day and then come to, to a fab shop and help John mountain bodies or do whatever in the evenings. And after a couple weeks in a, in a, in a, a wind party, he looked. Joe looks at me and goes, "Who are you?" <laughs> Man, that hurt, didn't it? <laughs> I don't like. Well, I mean, nah, I'm so and so, and just up here, you know, going to school and helping John at night, um, you know, building your bodies and stuff. Oh, okay. And then, uh, you know, got toward the end of August, I had to go back and finish high school. And Mr. Nemechek said, "Hey, when you get out of school, give me a call." So then, obviously, that's go back to back to Florida. You know, graduated from Zephyr Hills High School, 
across 93 and pack my stuff up in my truck and head north. So, so that first truck that you packed up in, was it a nice truck or an old beater's truck? <laughs> uh, we really have to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. We, we, we just want a little hindsight on it. I, I had a low rider. Okay. You know, you had to be cool in school and either had a four by four that was jacked up or a low rider. And I chose the low route. All right. When low, low center of gravity, low center of gravity, you, you knew how to do it already. Didn't you? <laughs> what color was that baby? Was it cooled out looking flamed up, blacked out? Oh, Mr. What Mike, you're killing me. No, it, it was white. What it kind of white. a sound it, system to have a good sound <laughs> system. in it? It, it, definitely, it definitely had a good sound system. It did. Yeah. So those are the, th the things that are so cool. You know, we kind of, and a disclaimer to everybody. I, I know Brian from off the racetrack more than probably I know him on the racetrack. So, uh, He's a cool guy, and we talk about this story now. I mean, I listen, listen to things like myself, my brother, you know, how you got somewhere. And you, the truck always seems to be the storyline. How did you, <laughs> how, you get there? You, to, you, you talk to the guy that had this pickup truck with a gallon of extra gas and an old antifreeze can in the back because the gas gauge didn't work. You know? right, we'll go back and remember Tony Stewart driving the tow truck. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he actually drove yes. a tow truck. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I happen to have a truck, and that's what I drove from Florida here. And but I didn't have much. I only had clothes, so it was easy. Yeah, so when you uh, you come up north on 95 or whatever interstate you came up yep. north in, uh, in North Carolina, when you got here, you got a truckload of clothes. That's about it. Find an apartment, stay with somebody at the Nemechek family, stay in the shop. I actually, I actually started, uh, I stayed with John Nemechek for a while um, initially. And then um, stayed with uh, Brian Larson. He uh, he currently works at Gibbs in the Fab Shop and uh, AKA Shaggy. Shaggy. And okay. yeah, we uh, we lived together for a while until I got my feet under me and made enough money to uh, get my own place and and move uh, my current wife Adrian up. Well, she's a great lady, and she she would live down there in the Lakeland area where you were from, or did you find she meet did. up somewhere yeah, else? We're, no, we're we're uh, born and raised Suffer Hills. And we went to school together. I've known her since kindergarten, and um, I guess she wanted to come to she wanted to come to Charlotte. So we started dating in high school. Well, well who you. wouldn't want to live that glamorous lifestyle? You know right. what I mean? Right? <laughs> right. Hey, you're yeah, working on race cars. You live in Mooresville, North Carolina. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and early well, on, you're going to the racetrack Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. Yeah. Getting yeah, set yeah, on the side dirty. burner. That way, the boys can win the races. Yeah. yeah. You know, washing dirty race cars every every morning early while the driver sleeps in. Yeah, it was it was, it was glorious. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's what makes all of it so much better today. So you get up here, you're with the Nemechek family. Uh, you guys are now. Are you working for the Nemechek family at that time? Is that your first job when you get up here? It was my first job. Yeah, '93 uh, came up and worked. Um, he was that was the end of the Dentine year. Okay. Um, yeah, he won the year. He won the championship in '92. Had Dentine for '93 sponsor. Um, worked to work to worth, and then this is when he he, I guess, got smaller, consolidated because he went from full time racing with his own team to uh, part time in '94. So we made that cut, which was nice, and and that's really what. Uh, what 
you know, you, you come up with a time in history which you can look back and say that it could have went either way. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Like, started in 94. You know, we had small group, so we'd do everything. So I built shocks, set up car, and jacked the car on race day. And, and also fabricated. So that, that fast-forward uh, learning curve, I think, is what uh, propelled me to having decent success, you know, so far. Outstanding. So... We're going to probably take a break here. What do you think, Jeff? Should we take a break? I think it's time, Mike. Okay, Jeff. And when we come back, there'll be more compelling questions for NASCAR crew chief Brian (laughs) Patty. Uh, You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. Before we get back to Fast Car 2 NASCAR with Mike Wallace. With everything from rest to mods to numbers matching classics, American muscle to European exotics, watch as a dazzling array of vehicles cross the block at the GAA Classic Cars Auction. Tune in on MAV-TV for Speed Sport Presents, the GAA Classic Cars Auto Auction. Check your local listings for channel and time. All right, y'all. Welcome back to the Crosley Speed Sports Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. Today's guest, NASCAR Crew Chief Brian Patty. And once again, here's Mike. Brian, we're, we're moving through your career, buddy. We've got you okay. uh, all the way from Florida up to the Mooresville area. Got your, uh, your now wife with you. You guys are hanging out. You've raced with the Nema Czech family. And uh, kind of went going through a cycle where the the group size is changing. So, Nemechek family to where? Oh well, yeah. You know, we were part time there in ninety four, ninety five, ninety. Well, all the years, obviously. So, so um, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna jump in for a second because I, that's what I need to do. <laughs> how long <laughs> till? And we're gonna back up to how. To what year did you work for Nemechek? Because I swear everybody in the race world remembers, knows you or remembers you from racing and winning races with Joe Nemechek. I worked for Joe for 11 years. Okay. So that that explains why. That explains that, why, yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay. We're, how, it was like he was with him forever. but so you, you Yeah, and most people think that I actually knew him from Florida, which is incorrect. He was... Uh, I would call it a generation above me, right? So he came, raced uh, late models and whatnot, and moved to Mooresville before I started even racing. So I never knew the guy, never knew the family until I started racing. They said, man, you guys really need to, you know, head up with this Nemechek clan. They, uh, they're from Lakeland, good people, and now they're up in uh, Mooresville racing Bush Series. And I'm like, okay, I will when I get there. <laughs> well, that that is a unique, the way you just said that, because – I always thought you you and the Nemechek family have been buddies forever, and that's yeah, that's never. how you ended up up here. So you didn't even know the Nemechek family until I never you knew the Nem- Yep, I never knew the Nemechek family until I met John Nemechek at the Volusia County Speedway in that summer of '92. Wow, that, that's a great deal there. Great story. I mean, clears up the story if I can say it. Isn't that right? <laughs> Jeff? Is that the way you'd say it? I would say that. Yeah. So <laughs> after you've uh, you've raced with Joe or the Nemechek family, I'll say it that way because you guys had a lot of things going on um have success there then are you uh then are you sought out from other teams to go hey you need to get away from them coming to work for us well yeah this is where it gets a little weird weird's uh, okay uh, in this world we're all weird okay so. <laughs> okay 
So, 96, um, I chose to go to Hendrick Motorsports. Doesn't um, sound like a bad choice. A, no, I work on the 90, the 25 car with Kenny Schrader. And, uh, you now, know, you, know, Sh- you know, Schrader doesn't have them all, right? I mean, he, we all grew up in St. Louis <laughs> together. and I'm well aware. Okay. I'm well aware now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I did not know. I didn't know then, but I do know now. Uh, but, yeah, I went down there to work for Ray Abraham. Uh, you know, that's the year the Revived 25 was our slogan. And um, had a great time. Uh, learned, learned a tremendous amount. Fabrication, obviously, wind tunnel, setting up cars and then traveling, spotting some uh, extra spotters. It was just a, it was a lot of fun. And just to, to witness how Ray uh, runs his program, um, you know, taught me a lot. And now at that time was it was and I I don't know six. the facts was Ray the crew chief of that car or just he no, run the he, Hendrick Motorsports program? He just ran the twenty four and the twenty five. Okay, so he overseen those two. And Correct. Who yeah. who did you work with at the twenty five as a crew chief, or were you the crew chief there? No, I was not the crew chief. Uh, Phil Hammer was the crew chief. Okay. Yep, and uh, but I'm you know those Hendrick guys. There's a lot of the same ones there in the motor shop and stuff and. Um, it's neat to see that they hung around that long, but one thing we, so in the nice six, um, get buying a house, um, staying with Joe and Andrew Nemechek because I had nowhere to stay. And, uh, he said, Hey, I want you to, I'm, I'm interested in you coming back and being crew chief of our, our Bush program. And I says, Really? And so I talked with Adrian and, uh, you know, one thing led to another and I decided to take it. Um, so at the end of 96, I left Hendricks and started, uh, you know, our Bush program, uh, with me, uh, being in control. Okay. That, so 97 was my first year as a crew chief. That, that's where I get the tie, one of the ties. So tell everybody, what is a crew chief? What does the crew chief do in a race team? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, you got to forward think. It's obviously a lot of planning, uh, deciding what, you know, what body specs you'd want, your chassis setups. Um, but really, the hardest part is just working with the people. Um, that's the most difficult I've ever, the thing I've had the most difficult with is, is working with different attitudes and personalities you know, through my whole career. And, but, you know, you, you try to put the best people in the best spots to make your team the best. Um, and then obviously the, when everybody else hears is, you know, at race day, you're talking to the driver, making adjustments and strategizing. So, but most of our work is at the shop. So, so when you started back with Nemechek and you become the crew chief of his race program or their race program, however you say that, you were in charge of everything. I mean, did you hire the people and build the cars and put it all together? Or oh, yeah. you just Well, building the cars was easy. Um, that was, that was the fun part for me. Um, yeah, we had to hire people, um, had to fire people. It's obviously weird that you, you know, in, in 97, you got a 22 year old being a crew chief and you've got, you know, elder statesmen working for you that probably didn't understand it in the beginning. Um, but, How did that go in the beginning? Was there just challenges uh, with the older guys? Yeah, absolutely. You know, some of them, but some were great. You know, some were just hard workers, put their head down and, and did their job. So, 
you know, that's we're a small group, so yeah. we all had to work together. How many guys did you have on your team at that point? Shoot, I bet. Do you think? Six or eight, maybe. Okay, so Max. small small group of guys. Small group. Everyone did everything. Um, Close-knit. Um, but we only ran part-time, right? So it was, it was a little easier than running full-time. And we just picked the races that made the most um, trophy hunters, I guess. There you go. But, uh, you know, sat on some poles. Um, won our first race at Charlotte in the second uh, fall race of 97. What was that like to you at that point? Here you're a crew chief, and you and you win a race at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. That's got to be pretty rewarding. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a, you know, obviously it was a dream, right? Your whole, everyone has dreams. Some people want to be drivers like yourself, and I, I wanted to work on them and build the fastest things possible. And it was obviously a lot of work, right? You think back about when you're racing three times a week at, at Rudiman's shop, going to school every day, working until 10 o'clock every night, going home, taking a shower and repeating. This is, you know, for 40 weeks a year, you look back and say, man, I just, I'm blessed uh, with the the path I've chosen and the people I've met, I guess is the, is the best way to say it. Mm-hmm. And it also had, and Charlotte at that time had the coolest trophy, you know, the nice big brass emblem. Right. Heavy. So was there a big party that night or that afternoon or the next day, or did you celebrate or just get back to work? No, I know it wasn't a whole lot of parties back then. You just kind of, all right, we won cool. Everybody got together. Maybe we had a team lunch and then moved on to whatever race we're getting ready for next. So, so you, now you're a winning crew chief in a NASCAR team. Your name's out there amongst the race community, as we say. And what changes or what moves forward from that point? Really, um, through 2000 was just 2002, probably, was just winning polls and winning races, um, trophy hunting, I guess is what we're saying. Um, had a great time, a lot of great people. Um, and then, you know, we tried to get a full time sponsor. Well, I, okay. 2003 was interesting here. Finally got Dave Rudiman to, to to move up and start racing for us. So and Rudiman also, drove for the Nemechek family, you're saying? He did. He did. Okay. Yeah, he... And when he you used up. the word got him to move up, I mean, was he wanting to do it, or did you guys, like, solicit well, him and say, hey, you know, you come on up here, or it was well, just kind of an ongoing thing? I tr- Yeah. He, the, the man's stubborn. Okay. He, he should have... <laughs> He, you know, he's a great friend of mine, but he, I like, I tried to tell him to come up when I came up and I think, you know, he'd have ran cup for many years, but, uh, you know, he, he was dedicated to running the dirt modified up North, um, running all pro and whatnot. So it finally took him to 2003 to, to get in one of our bush cars, which I think his first start was Richmond. So we had a good time trying to get a full-time sponsor to go full-time racing with Rudiman and uh never never came through um 2003 is all this also the same year that uh mr Hendricks contracted Nemechek to run uh kyle bush in his first seven races in the bush series so you're saying that Nemechek racing f- fielded a car for kyle bush then is that what you're, is how you're saying correct. okay 
Yeah, the first seven races that Kyle ran in Bush series in the Bush series was uh, the number eighty-seven Ditech.com car. I remember that car. Remember that yeah. black car, right? Correct. Kind of, yeah. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of jump in the middle there just for a second now because letting the whole world know along this way all the all the success and all the things you're having you got Andrew who's I assume your wife by that time have do you have kids did you have any kids while all this vicious world's going on or uh... by 2001 we had three kids okay yeah so it was kind of busy yeah. <laughs> Busy and hectic. So uh, we'll jump back, and I didn't mean to interrupt there, but it kind of it's fun to know. No, that's so, great. so you go back to Nemechek is fielding a car for Hendrick Motorsports for Kyle Busch. Yeah, that was 2003. Um, was that interesting? Oh, he's amazing talent. Obviously, uh, we see it now, but I mean, we saw it back then. Um, we finished second, our first race in the the Bush Series with Kyle was Charlotte um in may of 2003 and i think we qualified fifth if i'm not mistaken i can't remember but i know we burned up a rear gear because we were going for the pole and end up uh finishing second for the person that doesn't have any idea what you're talking about what is burning up a rear gear going for the pole mean well we i chose to to drop the fluid levels a little too low for charlotte and uh, the rear gear seized up so and, and you it, do that uh, draining that fluid to make power run faster or something like that correct that, yeah okay. yeah make make the most power possible and um you get it too low obviously friction overrides creates heat and heat is bad and it slowed down so then as they say down here it was broke yeah <laughs> it's broke yeah. you done broke yeah. you done broke yeah. <laughs> so so you um after the Kyle Busch time, now were you only working on Kyle Busch's stuff, or were you running something else? Somebody else driving it, Joe no, driving it, or whatever. I, yeah, we had Joe in the '87, Kyle in '87, uh, Dave Rudiman in '88, and then we had uh, Rainy LaJoy driving the seven full time. Okay. Yeah. But all those cars came out of our shop. Was, uh they're all identical. It was, uh, you know, you learn a lot about management when you have that much going on. Yeah. And, and management was you, or was there other people involved in the management level, or were you just the crew um, chief, or you were the no, guy that handled I mean, obviously everything? Joe, right, Joe, Joe does the finances. Um, I was strictly in charge of the cars, and you know we had great personnel and had old Eric Phillips was uh, basically running the the mechanic room back well, then. You guys just uh, created uh, stars, didn't you, over there? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting to look back, but uh, yeah, Eric and I started on the same day in '97. Um, it was, you know, it, we we clicked, we got along great, still great friends, and and yeah, he's had a hell of a career also. Well, that's wonderful. So you you guys at that point in your career, you took Kyle Busch from a nobody and made him somebody. I wouldn't say that. I would I would say we just. <laughs> Come on, go I'm along so with we, me. I'm helping you, brother. I, 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 yeah, but I, you know, you we, assisted him in being somebody. I, huh? We we were there. We were there, and we watched it. Yeah, it yeah. was. Uh, you know, obviously, he's a generational talent. As as what I say, it's uh, he's one of the best that ever lived, and now we see that with how many wins he's had. So it was, it was nice to be part of it. Well, that's wonderful. Well, we're going to come back in a few minutes and um, or a few seconds or whatever we decide. What are you going to do, Jeff? I think uh, we'll take a break, but I think uh, we'll ask Brian to walk us through 
a typical week leading up to, say, for example, this week. Okay, where are we going? Bristol this weekend? Bristol. Um, take us through, you know, what you go through as a crew chief getting ready uh, to strategize for an upcoming race. We'll, we'll, we'll do that when we come back. Okay. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. Before we get back to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, want to find out how folks go from humble beginnings in the world to their dream job in motorsports? Tim Packman sits down every week to get you the inside scoop. It's how I got here. And the latest episode's available now on the Speedsport Podcast Network, NASCAR Digital Media, and your favorite podcast platforms. All right, here we go. Welcome back to the Crosley Speed Sports Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley. I'm Jeff Kent. Today's guest, NASCAR Crew Chief Brian Patty. Uh, six in the Cup Series, uh, six wins in the Cup Series with drivers like Juan Pablo Montoya, Clint Boyer, uh, and currently Crew Chief for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. at JTG Darty Racing. Let's go back to the Juan Pablo days, Mike. Well, Brian, you know, we were going to jump forward. We're going to back up. So, Next career step, and I'm if I'm remembering right, you tell me your talents were taken to Chip Ganassi Racing, weren't they? Yes, correct. I uh, I wanted to go full time racing to go for a championship, um, and in 2004, um, signed on with Chip to to uh, crew chief his 41 discount tire Dodge. So uh, with Reed Sorensen, but uh, you know 2004 we had a part time season. Uh, fortunate to win Phoenix uh, with McMurray, Mr. Jamie McMurray. Okay. And uh, then 2005, went for a championship with Reed Sorensen. So we, uh, you know, signed some poles, won some races, and finished, I don't know, top five in points. Not Didn't win. Okay. Um, I actually raced with Reed Sorensen. Funny story. Yeah. I was like 38. Go. He was 14, I think, in the, in the Legends, yeah. driving those Legends cars out at Charlotte Motor Speedway. That dude, right. come, he'd, exactly. come, he'd come flying by me, and I'd just try to latch onto the bumper and make every move that he made and still couldn't keep up. <laughs> so, right. so, Brian, you know that Jeff Kent is a, uh, besides the radio star personality in the Charlotte area and the worldwide, he, he's a retired superstar legend racer yeah right. <laughs> you know the fox used to control that tuesday night deal out there at uh charlotte motor speedway so you you were a wheel man up there i still i still have a whole box of trophies yeah. the whole box of trophies <laughs> <laughs> that's when you know you've had success when you just say i got a whole box of trophies <laughs> yeah so you you were running with reed Sorensen there you guys yeah, had an right. average year we, and uh yeah we run we ran um two or three years there expanding racing having a good time and then um Chip asked me to move up to the Cup Series in, was that 2008? Yes, eight. So that was uh, my first venture in the Cup Series, um, was 2008, and um, ran decent. Um, but Who was driving for so, you there? Who was in that car at that time? Mr. Juan Pablo. Juan, Juan Pablo, Pablo Montoya. Yeah. Now, yeah. Juan Pablo, and I think everybody likes just saying that it's name. It's a cool name. It's Juan yeah. Pablo Montoya Juan Pablo from Colombia. <laughs> <laughs> from Bogota, Colombia. Bogota, Colombia. So, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think how I'm trying to say this. So, Juan was a open wheel star. Like, he won in the Formula One series, right? I mean, champion over F1, there or won some races? F1, or won? won races in F1, uh, won the Indy 500. You know, with Chip and the IndyCar before he went to F1, 
Oh yeah, he's a you know world world known racer, um, fast as hell, and you know obviously super talented. Okay, so how just I, I don't know the progression. I'm an old stock car racer that worked my way through, just kept staying in stock car. So how's a guy? I guess maybe driving Chip Ganassi helps, but how does he go from an open-wheel career to coming to drive for four with, alongside of Brian Patty in the Cup Series? Well, that would be a question for Chip Ganassi. Well, the, now, uh, I'm, I'm, now I'm going to ask our, kind of a friendship question because wasn't there, and this might not have come from you, but this come from somebody. Was there somewhere that Ganassi walked Montoya through the pit area or something before anybody kind of really knew what was going on? And I think so. I think so. But I wasn't in cup racing then. I was okay. still Xfinity. Okay. So I was, uh, I, I got brought in at the 600, um, one year when they made a crew chief change and I, they, they said, Hey, we want you to run the 42. And I was like, uh, okay. So, uh, you know, learning that was, was took a little time, but, uh, over time we, we figured it out and, Ran, ran well. Is there a lot of difference between being a crew chief on a Bush team or an Xfinity team today as opposed to a Cup Series team? I would say uh, yes. I, I, I think so. Um, Xfinity, you're much more involved because there's less people. Um, the Cup Series, you, you have more personnel underneath you, so you're not as much hands-on as you are managing you know, people and projects and just being like that. It's, I wouldn't say it's easier. It's just different. Well, Jeff, you had it. We talked about going to a question you were going to talk Brian about. Yeah, Brian, I mean, now would be a good time to segue into that. I mean, what is your, what is your schedule for the week? All right. You're getting ready for a race, uh, whichever racetrack it may be. What, what, what is it like? Give us a, a week in the life a of, of a, of a cup crew chief. Uh, um, are the uh, are the pre weeks to yeah, a cup race? Exactly. Yeah. Well, you're we're we're weeks ahead. Is trying to trying to build uh, the body specs, the build sheets are two or three weeks out, um, so that the the shot flow continues to go well. Now the the week of, uh, like today, I'm doing all my post work from Richmond, um, looking at data, trying to figure out what the hell I did wrong to run twenty third. <laughs> um, and then we'll transition over, like, after lunch here. Uh, well, Brian, you only I'll, need 22 more improvements, okay, right? just on your note uh, sheet. <laughs> uh, it, was a, it was a terrible day for us. It's probably our worst race of the year. Oh, that's a shame. So we're trying to, trying to figure out what happened and why we did it, why I did it. And, uh, but I'll transition into Bristol here soon, watching races, uh, looking at all my notes from the previous weeks or previous races. Um, you know, the sim guys are – doing final adjustments because we've got our car the week prior the car has been set up it's been hawkeyed it's been decaled um and then obviously it gets it gets uh switched over to the team late last week so now my team guys are on it um doing the fluff and buff the checklist aero checklist any updates the the build sheet we got a chassis dyno on tuesdays we got to pull down the you know the suspension um, to correlate with sim on Tuesdays, uh, Wednesday, a lot of aero fluff and buff, final scaling. Um, we got pit crew practice on Wednesday afternoon, and Thursday, 
they'll come over and they'll jack the car before we load it. Um, and Thursdays are kind of open. We leave it open on purpose just to, in case there's a problem. But we normally load on Thursdays and truck drivers leave. Can we can we get a little bit more behind the scenes on that just for a second? Because I mean, I I understand what you're saying. Jeff understands what you're saying. But there's a lot of people sitting out there going, "What what is a Hawkeye? What's a simulator? What what what, okay. what do you call sim work? What does that mean?" Well, sim work's just uh, computer simulation that we run through. Basically, the car build goes into a a model. We call it a model. It goes on the computer and we run laps. Right? We try to chain shock springs, sway bar, track bar, heights, uh, wedge, nose weight, because you're, you're trying to, with no practice, you're just trying to match uh, a balance of maybe you had a, a, a good race in the spring. So that, there's a lot of work as far as measuring a car with a roamer arm, putting it in simulation, and then making laps because we have no practice. The Hawkeye machine is what NASCAR uses to scan the body to make sure it's plus or minus 150 thousandths from gold surface, which gold surface is the the stock car that NASCAR has of a Chevrolet Camaro. So, so or, you're saying everything's Mustang. everything has to be within 150 thousandths. That is Other like what an eighth range. inch, Jeff. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I was told there so would just, be no math. Just, just the, <laughs> it's like the Kenny Wallace story about the quarter of an inch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my jump. Yeah, floor. just uh, yeah. it's it's just just greater than an eighth inch. The whole the whole body surface, um, with the windows being um, plus or minus two hundred thou. Wow. So it's uh, very you know, it's tight tolerances, tight. right? Tight. Yeah. yeah. So you know, and and with with no practice, and we fail twice. That means you go to the back um, when you're at the event. You got to make sure that you leave your right, because you get no, you get no practices at at, at, the, at the track. You know, you immediately unload at, at Bristol, and you go right to Tech. So to go along with that Hawkeye, and I'm glad you brought up the the two times and go to the back because we're hearing a lot of that lately. So what's that mean? You roll through the Tech line, and is it just the Hawkeye machine, or is it other things that send you back around? No, the whole the whole line can send you back around. Okay. Um, you know, initial <clears throat> first station's chassis. So, you know, maybe you have a legal part, um, something they don't like, some arrow bits that are not supposed to be there. Um, you can fail the chassis. Um, and then you got scales and weights, which is really nothing to fail. Um, and then you go to Hawkeye, which you can fail mechanical measurements, which is the, the wheel alignment or the body. Now, the the people that you hear and the teams that you hear or the now and then you hear that fail and they end up going around and we hear then the crew chief or the car chief or somebody gets ejected from the racetrack. Is that right? And, yeah, I'm not I'm not up on the on this year's rule as far as who gets ejected. My goal is not to see that. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, you can go – the people that are failing, are they – isn't it – do you think – they're intending to fail and just hoping they're not getting caught or is it just normally an overlook you think i, I would what would you, you think could argue, you could probably argue both cases okay you know if uh if the 47 gets failed uh it's more of a just a a tight tolerance that we overlooked it's not that we're trying to fail because you know no no racetrack do i want to start last 
I just we're not in a position to do that. Doesn't doesn't seem like a the right the right avenue for us to go. Well, in the first segment, you talked about a thin rule book. I think is what you the way you worded now, it. Uh, yeah. Now it's thick. So, okay, so so without giving away any of your trade secrets, how often do you push the envelope when it comes to the rules? Well, I would say weekly. That's honest. That's what fair. we're hoping to hear, right? We won't... <laughs> well, yeah. If you, if you think any car in the field in the top 30 in points are, are totally legal, then you're you're uh, kidding yourself. It's uh, gotcha. Every team is trying to push um some more aggressive than the others and that's typically when you jump over that the line um and get a failure that's where that nascar money comes in nascar money <laughs> we, we were making a joke my little brother kenny was on a few weeks ago and everybody's on him what this nascar money is so we're, he gave us his insight on his own but <laughs> so we relate back to some shows as we go here <laughs> one other thing and we're going to go to break in a few minutes here but i i I've had so many people ask me along the way what some of these things are that you mentioned. You had mentioned the sim, the Hawkeye. What's a what's a pull down machine? What are they? Somebody says what's a pull down machine? I says a uh, pull down machine is a machine that you. It's basically scales that move. So we put on the on a on a surface surface plate. We tie the chassis down, and then we run the wheels up and down with scales. Um, so you can check travel, check clearances. Um, but more so it's to work on your, your wheel rates or the, the amount of compression it takes to keep a wheel off the ground or, or, or a, a load number versus travel. And what we got to do there is take the information from the pull down to import in SIM to make sure we don't drag the splitter off come Bristol. <laughs> gotcha. I guess. Gotcha. All right, you got time to join us for a little bit more of a segment. We're getting to the end of yeah, this one. I'll do one more. I got I got some off the racetrack stuff I want to talk to you about. Very okay. good. <laughs> we'll be back in a minute. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. All right, welcome back to the Crosley Speed Sports Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Our guest today, NASCAR Crew Chief Brian Patty. One more segment with Brian. Mike, take it away. Well, Brian, we ended up, you explained some chassis stuff, what you do at the racetrack. You're getting ready. What is Bristol this weekend? Or, yeah, whatever, something coming up. One of, there's a NASCAR race coming up. There, there is. Yeah. What they're going to do is they're going to go down there fast and turn left. And they Correct. go down there this week. Yeah, there's some of them that are going to turn right here before long. Yeah. So, when you get to the after you've done your testing or you're getting ready at the race a race shop, I can't even get it out. You go to the racetrack. In today's world, it's totally different, right, than it's been in the past. You just kind of show up there and race. Is that correct or not? Yeah, that's correct. You know, the since COVID um, hit us in 2020, we've kind of contracted our season or weekend. To no practices other than a few events so um most tracks we show up uh we have a lot of time when we come in because of trying to keep everybody uh separated um and immediately you get ready for tech once you unload and you start rolling through so that's your first initial attempt to tech obviously if you pass uh you unblock and get ready for uh, the race but if you fail, you go back to the garage and try it again. 
Here's a question for you, Brian. You, you talked about what you do every day of the week leading up to a race. Where's Ricky Stenhouse in this in this whole process? Is he around? Is he at home? Is he... Now, be honest. I want to hear the real honest. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's probably home working out. That guy works out, uh, I think, multiple times a, a day. So he's uh, he's definitely in, fit, in shape, definitely fit. And it helps, uh, you know, when you have the summer events and so hot, uh, he's still – still lively when he comes out of the, out of the car so but he's not necessarily at the shop all week you know since that's no <laughs> well and there's reason well there's reasons why now because we try to compartmentize the people that we have at the shop because of covid mm-hmm. in case we, you know we don't need an outbreak coming through our shop just like anyone else's so we try to keep the drivers out of here gotcha. um and then when he does show up he checks, you know, interior of the car, make sure everything's right. Uh, but there's, there's no like face-to-face meetings or anything like that. He's he only comes in, sits in the car, makes sure things are right because we have no time at the track, and goes home. Well, I guess these days, you, if you if you needed to meet with him, you could just zoom, get on a zoom, zoom right. call, right? You know, crazy. Or okay. I just drive to his house, but <laughs> call, call him, fly by. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we we've uh, got ourselves from the early days of Brian Patty to through his career up to current day and uh, real quick I, I noticed your team posted a picture of your 2022 car with this past week or so which Correct. looks really cool I mean from what I can tell how I, in a short synopsis how is that car for next year what is do you it think a low rider it, it kind of <laughs> is yeah actually it's, yeah. it's it's zephyr florida style going on <laughs> yeah i you know it's obviously a a huge a huge transition for a nascar but uh i understand the the concept um i wouldn't call it a kit car but it's uh you know it will definitely level the playing field for most um you know it's all the parts are sore bought um the only thing you have to try to figure out is the Aero bits and the simulation, but as far as the car, they're all the same. Okay, so, great. So you know, we tested last week at Daytona and had a, a pretty pretty good test. Um, guys did a great job putting it together, and it definitely looks cool. Yeah. How, um, many, how many cars were at, at the Daytona test? Do they have a lot of cars there? There were, there were eight teams. And how did the cars seem to? We'll call it race or draft. How, what did that look like? Yeah. I thought, well, they tried a couple of different uh, aero packages and engine packages to try to see if they, uh, I guess they were targeting the speed and obviously maneuverability. And uh, I think they learned a lot, but I think we'll be going back. <laughs> I got you. All right. Now let's get to what I call modern day fun away from the racetrack. What does Brian Patty like to do for fun, enjoyment, relaxation when he's not racing? Oh, uh, you know, uh, I got into this wood stuff. I, you know, building charcuterie boards, cutting boards, um, epoxy river boards and tables, and it's been a lot of fun. It's uh, what's weird is my grandfather had a sawmill back when he got out of uh, the service in World War II. So maybe it's just that I'm in my blood, but I enjoy that, and I enjoy. Uh, going to our family cabin um, over in Saluda and just doing work and it's just peaceful. So what, what got you into the woodworking part? What is that 
because of the early sawmill days or just the uh i don't know i don't know i just started you know seeing it i'm you know you're always trying to build stuff at home and uh you know started working with wood and always liked building whatever it took you know or whether it be the outdoor grill or what have you and i was like well i'm gonna start doing a little bit of woodworking i started buying some tools and you know making a few cool things and then posted on instagram and then friends texting me and calling me saying hey i want one i want one and so now it's uh you're getting pretty famous in that woodworking world aren't you uh, in, uh, within the community well yeah probably more famous than i need to i need to be yeah. i got uh i don't have that much time to build i have a long list of people still waiting on their on their boards from last year so uh you know, I'm, I'm getting there. Now that, slowly that, but surely. Is that something you uh, you do out of your, like your house garage, or you got a shop somewhere you go play with that, or the basement house? What? Uh, oh, I just have a shop, a little personal shop over uh, off Windy Road. Okay. Speaking of Kenny Schrader. Oh, right. Yeah. One of his old spots there, and yeah, just somewhere to go hang out. And that's kind of like on the way home for you, then, isn't it? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we just had something pop up here, and uh, it's a question you might be able to answer. Has has the driver had a chance to test out a Gen 7 in iRacing to see what comparisons they are so far from the real-world testing? Do you know anything about that? I don't. Uh, no, I, I do know that they they have the Gen 7 car available in iRacing now because a couple guys uh, within our shop race them yeah, at nighttime. So, um I got a couple of test drivers. I was going like to say F one team here. <laughs> I, I was going to say, the, did those guys come in and override the sim and go, "Hey, last <laughs> night, man, I, I called the mail here." Yeah. You know, actually, actually, what's funny is, uh, yes, let me let me answer the question. Yes, they have Gen Seven i racing. No, Riggy has not um, raced it and confirmed what it has. He the first time he was in a car was last week, so gotcha. he it'll take him a few months to get, you know, go to the Roval go back to charlotte oval test in a couple months and then it could probably verify but speaking of iRacing getting ready for the dirt race in the spring had no testing you know the whole deal um i had my same test drivers here i'll call them <clears throat> testing things for me which was cool as hell and they'd come back and they say boy this worked and like no this did not <laughs> don't do this and, uh, you know, and then obviously we run second. So they had, uh, you know, had a, a great feeling as far as, you know, helping and, and contributing to our, our good run. Well, that was nice. That was fun a bit for those guys, especially. And as you Absolutely. say, with a good run, you just like, I, I, I'm going to wait to the point. I want you to tell me down the road when they become cocky and tell it they're overriding the simulator guys. Right, and right, all right, that. right. So, so all those woodworking things, somebody told me that you, uh, besides, or it kind of goes along with your woodworking, are you a, a bourbon connoisseur or do you make huh, not or piddle with or drink or taste that you really i mean i come to find I out you know, we uh, we have some mutual friends and that are involved in, they, they like bourbon hmm. jeff and they, and they piddle too i like a little bourbon myself do you yeah yeah well that's uh yeah, i mean it's it was a uh, you know when you're traveling all the time um we called it treasure hunting so it was cool to leave on a saturday after after the garage closed and try to find a bottle that you couldn't find, you know, in our area. And uh, so that, that kind of started the craze years ago. But, uh, yeah, we pedal. I mean, it's the process of making bourbon is cool. I think it's neat. Um, the history of it is cool. 
and uh, yeah, I have a few bottles. Beautiful. So, so since our network expands around the world and people are going to listen to this worldwide, <laughs> is there is there any shout out we need to put for a particular bottle of bourbon that some guys that we really need that somebody out there knows where we can get it or obtain it because. <laughs> I've been involved in a few, few of these chase downs before. They're quite intense. <laughs> yeah, they're quite intense. I know you have. I know you have. Uh, give give yeah, me a I'm, good brand or a bottle or two bourbon we need to be on the lookout for. Well, I I, I guess on my bucket list would be uh, any of the Pappy Van Winkles and or the Wellers. Um, I think both those are, are great uh, mash bills. They taste good, and they have a, a great story. So for anyone that didn't understand my hint there, if you have any pappies well, or wellers, let us know here even, at the show. Even at, even at a great price. Even at, yeah. We don't want it free. Yeah, right. That's just, just a fair price, right, Brian? Well, if you'd like to donate, that's fine, too. And we'd be happy to sample some of that on this podcast. Yeah, right? we, we pull up a chair for Brian. Wayne's out on the side of the window going, waving like crazy, like, I'm included, so... Uh, I, I may drive to exit 33 just to see you. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, we've had a great time, Brian, and I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule today and uh, telling everybody who you are, where you are, and about the, the wood cutting and woodworking. And uh, again, folks, the, the bourbon solicitation was a real one. Don't don't take that for <laughs> that. We, we were for real on that. So. <laughs> now, we had to get past the race stuff and get to the real stuff. But uh, That's right. Appreciate your time. No, Jeff, what do you think me, about having Brian today? It was pretty good, wasn't Fantastic. it? Fantastic. It was very educational. I learned a lot. All right. I, well, st- I was still told there would be no math. Okay, okay. so saying. you're going to take us home from here, right? You have been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. We'll see you next week. <laughs>